Back in the studio today, a Friday, October the 8th, time for the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley, glad to have you along. We have Ohio State and Maryland to talk about, another game in the Big Ten that is going to identify, I think, the team that Ohio State will most have to worry about in terms of winning another Big Ten championship. And we have Browns and Bengals, and yes, regrettably, another development in the Urban Meyer story. But before we get all the way into those topics, let me remind you that Hemisphere Coffee Roasters is prepared to give you 15% off when you use the promo code We Tackle Life in all caps. We Tackle Life in all caps. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, awesome people, awesome product, awesome mission, awesome deal. Free shipping on orders of $30 or more, and you'll get more for your money when you use that promo code We Tackle Life in all caps. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, coffee from Nicaragua, Thailand, Indonesia, other foreign countries around the world where they help ministries grow by plugging money into the local economy and bringing that unique, flavorful coffee to your table. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com is where you order. Use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps, and you will get 15% off. Okay, Buckeyes and Maryland. They play on Saturday at noon, and Maryland got pounded last week by Iowa, 51-14. to If you want to use comparable scores as a barometer to determine whether or not uh, Iowa is better than Ohio State or Ohio State is better than Iowa, you can certainly do that. I don't think that has much utility here because are you benefiting from Maryland being depressed over the fact that it thought Perhaps it was a better team than it really is. Or are you penalized by the fact that now Maryland realizes that if they think too highly of themselves, they'll get smoked like they got smoked against Iowa. I don't think Maryland's going to commit six turnovers, which they did against Iowa. Five interceptions by Talia Tagovailoa. I don't think he's going to throw five interceptions. But I also don't think that Ohio State will be stressed about winning this football game into the fourth quarter. They have been once in... uh, The history of Ohio State-Maryland since the Terps joined the Big Ten. That happened famously in Urban's last year. Ohio State won the game because the Maryland kid missed a wide-open pass for two points that would have uh, ended the suspense, or at least increased the suspense, actually, as it concerned Urban, and may have kept Ohio State out of the Rose Bowl that year, but that won't happen this time. Ohio State is, to me, an interesting case. Are they really getting better? They play a lot of young players. And the thought after their dominant win over Rutgers is, oh, look, we're getting better, all these young guys, and we're getting some guys back in the secondary. Seven Banks is playing. Marcus Williamson is playing. Our linebackers are growing. Our offensive line is coming together. C.J. Stroud's arm is better. We are a team that is getting better, and we're a team that's getting better at exactly the right time because they have to go to Indiana next week, and then they have to play Penn State at home. That's one narrative out there. The other narrative is... It's Rutgers, and you're putting too much confidence in a lopsided win over Rutgers when pretty much every Ohio State Rutgers game ever has been a lopsided win. I don't know which to believe. Ask me at 3.30 Saturday. I'll have a much better view of it. My inclination is to say that Ohio State is getting better because the more you play as a young player, the better you get. But I don't think all their problems are solved. And I think they will have season-long struggles with some teams able to do some things against them. Now, all that said, you are going to have to outscore Ohio State to beat Ohio State, even in 
their loss to Oregon. It's not like Ohio State's offense went silent. They scored four touchdowns in that game. So you have to score 30 to beat them. And I don't see a lot of offenses out there that are capable of scoring 30 just by walking off the bus. I don't think Ohio State's defense is so bad that you're going to get riddled every week. I think that the smartest thing they can do defensively is play a style that would force teams to pick up six, eight first downs in order to score. If you're going to play a high-risk, heavy blitz, man coverage, sellout to create negative plays type defense, well, you're going to leave yourself open to the kind of gash plays that we saw C.J. Verdell and Oregon make happen in that Buckeye loss in Week 2. But if you're going to make teams drive the length of the field and do it five times to beat you, well, I like Ohio State's chances to bear up against that kind of sustained challenge. So that is what I would do. I think that's what Matt Barnes is doing since he's calling the defense under Kerry Combs. I think the best coaches are coaches who don't get married to a system, don't get married to a style of play, don't get married to their own ego, and instead say, who do we have, what can they do, and what can we do to take what we have and what they do and do the best collective performance possible. So we'll see. Indiana, Penn State, then Nebraska on the road, Purdue at home, Michigan State at home, at Michigan. That's the back half of the season. Ohio State will be halfway through its regular season after Saturday. The second half is, to me, considerably more difficult, although probably not any one team as difficult as, well, yeah, uh, I don't know. Is is Penn State better than Oregon? I think that'd actually be a pretty good game. Is Michigan better than Oregon? No, Michigan's not better than Oregon. Michigan State? Eh, maybe, if you had to go to Lansing. But nevertheless, could you lose at Indiana? Yeah. Could you lose at Penn State? Or to home to Penn State? Yeah. Could you lose at Nebraska? Eh, I don't think so. Could you lose at home to Michigan State? Yeah. Been done. <laughs> Many times. 1998, 2015, maybe some others that I'm missing, uh, 1987. Uh, Spiels would hate that I remember that one. And Michigan on the road, could you lose that one? Sure. Uh, so you may not have heard this, but you know you can throw out the records when Ohio State plays Michigan. So, yes, the back half is collectively tougher, but the front half was, at its toughest point, Oregon, tougher than perhaps any of these games. So we'll see. We'll see, but uh, injuries can play a part in the season going forward. If you lose Travion Henderson, that to me, who's the one guy? I always pick one guy Ohio State cannot lose going forward in order to be a team that delivers on the expectations that fans have for them. And prior to the season, I might have said that that player was either Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, just because when you have both those guys, You have to honor them both, and I think that by the trickle-down impact makes all your other receivers more dangerous. I now think that the guy they can't lose above anyone on the team is Travion Henderson because he forces you to commit so much to the run to prevent him from breaking big plays 
that the passing game has opened up and C.J. Stroud's limitations, and I'm not saying they're great. I'm just saying that C.J. Stroud has some limitations. I think they're more likely to be exposed if you don't have to honor the Ohio State running game. So I would say Travion Henderson is the guy right now who has established himself as the most indispensable player on the Ohio State football game, football football team rather, as we enter into week six against Maryland. The other headline game in the Big Ten, it's, this is only a headline game because, you know, <laughs> Ohio State's in it. The other headline game in the Big Ten is Penn State at Iowa. Now that's going to be a very interesting matchup to watch. A very, very, very interesting matchup to watch because I don't think Penn State is super good on offense. And I don't think that Iowa is super good on offense either. But I do think they're both pretty good on defense. And so I would say that how many points will win the Penn State-Iowa game? I will say right now, if you get 21 points in that game, you will win that game. 21. What's the minimum number of points I think a team could have and win the Iowa or Penn State game. Okay, should could I see two field goals and a touchdown? 13 winning that game. No. I don't think so. I don't think you can win that game with 13. I think you can win that game with 16. But I think it's 50 it's 70-30 you'd get beat if you scored 16 points. I think you could theoretically get beat 17 to 16. I don't think either team is going to score on the other. Let's put it this way. I don't think Penn State is going to score more than two touchdowns, and I don't think Iowa is going to score more than two touchdowns. But I do think it's possible you could score a touchdown and three field goals. Could you score a touchdown and four field goals in that game? Could you get 19 no. No. I don't think I don't think either team scores 5 times. I think the winning team in that game will score either 20 points or will score 4 times. 3 field goals and a touchdown. That's what I think cuz it's a defensive battle. It's number 4 Penn State against number 3 Iowa. It starts at 4 o'clock on Fox and I can only hope that Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson are doing it because then they won't be doing Ohio State and Maryland. Um, but if they are doing Iowa and Penn State, then I will have to watch it with the sound off so that I don't hear Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson. And no, I'm not going to go back in again to what my issues are with both of those gentlemen, but uh, I have them, as you well know. Okay, <laughs> now let me remind you that auiinfo.com is a longtime loyal sponsor and a great group of people. Uh, auiinfo.com is a health insurance brokerage. They can help you as business owner. They can help you as an individual. How as an individual? Well, now we're in open enrollment. And open enrollment allows you to just do that. Openly enroll in another health insurance program. Maybe it's time to take stock of the benefits you need. Maybe it's time to just make sure that the hospital doctor and all those things that you want in your plan are still in your plan. You can ask those questions on a chat feature at auiinfo.com and get them answered free. 
And it's not like any, you don't need a promo code from this podcast or anything else. They just do it because the companies they interact with who want to do business with you, those companies pay AUI. You don't ever pay them. So it's a great deal. It's the only instance I know where you not only get what you pay for, you get way more than you pay for because you don't pay. They're paid, but not by you. AUIinfo.com, AUIinfo.com. Business owners, they can get you bundled with other businesses in a chamber of commerce plan, even if you don't belong to that particular chamber. For instance, you can get the Cleveland plan if you belong to the Columbus chamber. You can get the Columbus plan if you belong to the Toledo chamber. AUI knows all those nuances, all those little twists and turns. That's why you need a health insurance brokerage to look out for. Am I getting a good deal? Am I spending too much? Am I getting my money's worth? AUIinfo.com. And again, businesses, you don't pay them either. Same compensation agreement. They're paid by the companies that they put you in touch with that you select. Okay, let's turn our attention to one thing Ryan Day hinted at the other day where he said somebody asked him about recruiting and his recruiting compromised by the fact that you don't play any night games. And he kind of hinted around like they're going to play a night game perhaps this year. Well, they obviously have limited opportunities for that because their remaining schedule at home is Penn State and Purdue and Michigan State. Now, typically the Big Ten has not played November night games. So since Purdue is November the 13th and Michigan State is November the 20th, that leaves only one opportunity, and it barely meets the non-November standard because Penn State is due into Ohio Stadium on Saturday, October 30th. Will that be a night game? Yeah, maybe. Could be. Penn State was a night game here in 2015. But I think uh, what I will say about that is the game will be under the lights. I don't think it'll be the big noon kickoff. I think it'll be either 4 o'clock, maybe even 5 o'clock, or 7.30. Fox will have that game, and I think they'll want the um, excitement of having that game at night. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit if uh, that is when uh, we get that game. Now, if you flash forward to that particular week, and you take a look at who else is playing on that day as I'm pulling up my schedule here at um, College Football Central. Uh, Penn State, Ohio State is the first game listed on Saturday, but every game Saturday, the 24th of October, the 30th of October is listed as TBD. So let's look around at the other games on that date that could, first of all, who would Fox rather have as big noon kickoff? Hey, they want to start the day. They want to get the viewers, get them on Fox so they don't change channels. Is there another game on October the 30th that could possibly interest people in the Big Ten? Well, how about currently ranked number nine, Michigan, at currently ranked number 11, Michigan State? Aha! Yes! Big noon kickoff right there. And then they could go and put another, stick another game in there or do an extended post-game show, and put Ohio State and Penn State on at 4 o'clock or even at 5 o'clock. Are there other games that they might have in the Big 12 or another Pac-12 maybe? Um, I'm looking here, mm, Colorado at Oregon. That one doesn't seem super sexy to me. Texas Tech 
at Oklahoma. That doesn't that one doesn't seem super sexy to me. But I think that since Michigan and Michigan State play, uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Penn State and Ohio State play at some point in their game under the lights. Now, what else is going on that night in terms of other games uh, around the country? You could even have a triple header on the Big Ten. You could have Michigan State playing host to Michigan. Then you could have Wisconsin playing host to Iowa. And right now they have that game listed as a noon game. So they could start with Iowa-Wisconsin, then go to Michigan at Michigan State at 4 o'clock, and then go to Ohio State-Penn State at 8 o'clock. That's very possible. Three Big Ten games, all on Fox, all national. Or they could split off the big noon game and put that be a regional game. Grab everybody at 4, grab everybody at 8. So I think it's a good chance that Ohio State plays Penn State under the lights, whether it's a 4 or 5 o'clock start or a 7 or 8 o'clock start. I don't know, but that game is not going to be a big noon kickoff game. So adjust your um, schedules accordingly and read into what Ryan Day had to say accordingly. All right, before we get to the NFL games, there is a development, a further development, in the Urban Meyer um, bar saga. Uh, The vitriol and snarkiness and... Uh, frat boy humor that has resulted from this uh, very unfortunate decision by Urban that he clearly regrets is that Shelly Meyer, Urban's wife, has closed her Twitter account. Now, I know it's not a great loss because it's Twitter, it's social media, and I'm actually a little bit envious that she doesn't have to post on Twitter anymore because if I didn't have to post on Twitter, I wouldn't, (laughs) but it's a good tool for my radio show and a good tool for the podcast. But it's just how often do we get a perspective from people whose lives fascinate us, who are transparent and entertaining and funny and not so full of themselves that they won't dare to acknowledge the huddled masses, the unwashed. Not very often, right? And I think it was always nice that Shelly Meyer had fun with Ohio State fans and interacted with Ohio State fans. I don't think Shelly's a big fan of mine anymore. At one point in time, she and I were uh, pretty cordial. She did not care for how I um, how I weighed my comments about Urban after his uh, unnecessary lying in the at the Big Ten kickoff luncheon in Chicago. I thought he put himself and the program in an unnecessarily bad light. She defended her man. I would expect my wife to defend me in that situation. Whether she thought I was right or not, I would expect her to defend me publicly and then privately tell me what a what a dope I was. But I don't begrudge Shelly, um, you know, doing that. I tried to explain to her why I said what I said. And the only reason that I ever give, uh, because it's always the only reason I have, is that I genuinely believed I was telling the truth. I genuinely believed that he got up there in Chicago and didn't want to tell people exactly what he knew about Zach Smith and Courtney Smith, and so he fudged it or lied, whatever you want to call it. And it was unnecessary. And like Jim Tressel, he made it worse by not telling the truth right away. 
She didn't like it. She and my cordial relationship was uh, no longer cordial on her part. And that's okay because she's the wife and she ought to stand by her husband. Nevertheless, I don't wish her ill. I feel terrible for her that this very public, very regrettable decision by Urban um, is out publicly and has embarrassed her. I'm sure it hurt her. I don't like to see people get hurt who are at their core uh, good, honest people. And I think she is. And so I'm sorry she's not going to be on Twitter, but I'm happy for her that she's not because then she won't have to hear from the idiots. So, Shelly, all the best. That's what I would say. All the best. Okay. Uh, final ad read for my friends at Willis Spangler Starling. Great attorney firm. My attorney firm should be your attorney firm. They're growing because they're doing great work and people keep coming to them because maybe they hear about it here on the podcast, maybe they hear about it elsewhere, but they know a good solid company and good solid people with integrity, values, expertise when they see it. They're located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. If you're in the central Ohio area or anywhere in Ohio and you need a great attorney, I'll just tell you, you won't do better than Willis Spangler Starling on personal injury, wills estate planning, probate, employment law, uh, social security disability, all those things that, boy, this is a nightmare of red tape and I don't know what to do and all that. They know what to do. They'll give you a free consultation. Many times they'll even consider a flat fee case. So remember their name, website, willisattorneys.com, W-I-L-L-I-S, willisattorneys.com. Now to the NFL and your Cleveland Browns taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Thought I was going to blow that, didn't you? Justin Herbert against Baker Mayfield on Saturday, uh, Sunday at 4 o'clock. Uh, be interesting because San Diego's got a really good offensive line. They don't allow very many sacks. I think Justin Herbert's an up-and-comer. And Baker Mayfield has a need to bounce back. He was really bad last week at Minnesota. Didn't cost the Browns the win, but it amplified the still-remaining questions in year four among some of us, about Baker Mayfield. I saw a Browns podcaster this week say that there's not another quarterback in the NFL that he would trade for Baker Mayfield. Look, I get it, Mr. Fanboy. You love your quarterback, and that's fine. But if you wouldn't trade him for Patrick Mahomes, I don't know why anybody would listen to your podcast because that's just nuts. If you wouldn't trade him for Patrick Mahomes, then you're crazy. Now, Baker, it has been revealed, has a partially torn labrum. Labrum is in the shoulder. It's a left shoulder. It's not his throwing shoulder. But I don't agree with those who say, ah, it's left shoulder. It doesn't affect him. Really? Uh, I have had debilitating right shoulder issues such that they had to cut my old original shoulder joint out and put in a fake new one, which I love and is awesome. Shout out Dr. Maletti at Ortho One. But... Of course his left shoulder injury affects his right shoulder. You got to turn your shoulders when you throw. You got pain anywhere in your body. It affects your whole body. So, yes, it's got to affect him. And that's why when you throw an interception as a quarterback, you don't try to make the tackle because Baker tried to make the tackle on an interception after the game against the Houston Texans, and he suffered a partially torn labrum, which is that the reason why 
threw everybody threw the, threw too high to everybody last week? I don't know. Is it a plausible reason? Sure. So we'll see how he manages this, and he'll have to manage this the rest of the season. Will be interesting to watch and see who comes out of this game with the most quarterback sacks, Miles Garrett or Joey Bosa. So there's a lot to watch with the Browns and the Chargers, and uh, if the Browns can get to 4-1, and one, that's a great start for them. 3-2 and two is not bad. Figure you lose on the road at Kansas City, lose on the road at Los Angeles, not terrible. You haven't lost to a bad team yet. Nevertheless, you'd like to steal one of those or get one of those, win one of those, earn one of those. And I think the Browns can do that. As for the Cincinnati Bengals, how about this matchup? Your Cincinnati Bengals have Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in Cincinnati. And Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are all the rage here at the start of the regular season. Jamar Chase has had a 30-yard or more catch in each of his first three games. Excuse me, four games. And... Only one guy has done that five straight guys, five straight games at the start of his NFL career. That would be, shout out Rick Spielman, Stephon Diggs, the former Maryland Terrapin, who did that in 2015. It's been that long since Stephon Diggs played as a rookie? He's a sixth-year guy? Maybe a seventh-year guy. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Seventh year for Stephon Diggs? Wow. I didn't know that. Anyway, no longer with the Vikings, of course. But um doesn't matter. Jamar Chase is uh, all that and a you know, bag of popcorn. He's really good. So we'll see if Jamar Chase can extend that against the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, Bengals defense. Bengals defense very improved. Will the Bengals be able to handle Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers and... Uh, Devontae Adams, by the way, has a streak of 16 consecutive games with at least five catches. Not not just one catch, which I always think those streaks of one catch or more are so bogus. It's like, okay, big deal, one catch. Five catches? More than one a quarter? That's playing. And Devontae Adams has a streak at 16. Maybe Jesse Bates and Von Bell and the Bengals are uh, defense and Eli Apple can put a stop to that. Uh, We'll see. But Packers and Bengals, they play at one o'clock and that game is on Fox. Now to the faith portion of the podcast. And as we wrap up an October 8th edition of the podcast, can you guess where I'm going to base my faith portion today? Of course you can. If you listen to this podcast, you know, that the eighth of the month means I'm in the eighth chapter of Proverbs. And if you've listened to this podcast very long, you know that the eighth chapter of Proverbs is unquestionably my favorite chapter of Proverbs. Why is it? Not because my number back when I was whatever kind of athlete I was in a sport where I wore a number was number eight. No, Proverbs eight is where we learn the very first thing that God created. And it is where we learn what God truly prizes and the one thing that if we prize it in the same fashion has the power, not just the capacity, not just the potential, but the power to make our lives 
productive, prosperous, and I would say, I can't think of another P word, but uh, help us to recognize our potential. There is a P word. How about that? So what does Proverbs 8 say? What is the first thing that God created? Well, let's jump ahead to Proverbs 8, verse 22. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, I was the craftsman at his side. Who? 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 Who is I? Who was there? Not Jesus, although Jesus was there, but that's not who this is talking about. Not Solomon, even though he wrote this. That's not who we're talking about in Proverbs 8. No, who are we talking about in Proverbs 8? Who is I in Proverbs 8? I is wisdom. I, wisdom. Dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. That is who we're talking about in Proverbs 8. Verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. So yes, that is who we're talking about. Proverbs 4, to you all men I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. This is wisdom calling out to us, to all mankind. Verse 5, you who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. Listen, for I have worthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. So I'm going to give a talk tomorrow to some men from my church, and we're going to talk about wisdom. And we're going to talk about how God prizes wisdom. And the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom. It is a dose-by-dose, chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse, word-by-word, IV drip of wisdom into our very being. There is a verse in Proverbs. I probably cannot turn to it right now, but I know exactly where it is on the page, so I'll here it is right here. I know it's on the far right-hand page of my Bible, halfway down, and indeed there it is, and I should have remembered it because it's one of these, it's one of these what I call serendipity verses in the Bible. A serendipity verse is a verse that's easy to remember because it's the same verse as it is chapter number. If you remember the book, you remember it. So this is Proverbs 23, 23. Chapter 23, verse 23. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. I know I've talked about this verse before. I know I've talked about wisdom before. I know I've 
spoken about Proverbs 8 before. But if you are, and I can't imagine you're not, at a point in your life where you'd love answers or understanding or clarity or insight or vision, wisdom is how we acquire that. Not knowledge. We have tons of knowledge. Information doubles, what, every five minutes in the world now? You have more, you have more knowledge inside the phone in your pocket than people like Aristotle and Shakespeare and Ben Franklin and all the transformative and Einstein, all those people had in their brains. You have more knowledge than that in the phone in your pocket. Einstein couldn't say, Siri, what's the theory of relativity? But you can. But how much wisdom do you have? How much truth do you know? How much knowledge are you standing on? This is the key to navigating all of life's challenges. I've shared with you, I'm in a period of struggle right now. I have people in my family who are really struggling with recurring health issues, and I'm racking my brain to figure out how we can get our arms around this and who we can go to and who can help us and how we're going to afford it and blah, 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 blah. I don't need knowledge. I don't need another recommendation. I don't need another person to tell me I can fix it. I don't need another person who expresses heartfelt desire to fix it. I need wisdom to know which path to pursue. I need discernment to know where is God pointing me to go. So in these situations, Truth is unmoving, unwavering. Stand on truth. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Like any investment book you've read will probably say one of the wisest investments you can make is buy and hold, right? Buy low, sell high, buy and hold, right? Buy a stock when it's early, initial public offering, hold on to it. What would you be worth if you bought 100 shares of Amazon when it was first offered, 100 shares of Apple when it was first offered, 100 shares of Tesla or anything. What would you be worth? Bitcoin. Buy it and buy it and hold it, right? That's what God says about truth. Buy the truth. Don't sell it. Get wisdom, get discipline, get understanding. Our desire for truth has to be unrelenting. Our devotion to truth has to be undeterred, and our deployment of truth has to be unwavering. And the only way you're going to know what that is is to read your Bible. That is where the truth is, in between the front and the back cover. Every word is inspired by God. The Bible, as I've said before, is the only book that can change your life every time you pick it up. I prize wisdom. I spent far too much of my life chasing knowledge and other things that are disproven the next day by some of the latest developments or experiments or greater innovations and technologies. Knowledge is useful but not reliable. Wisdom is enduring. 
buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. Proverbs 23, 23. Wisdom, the first thing God created. He needed wisdom to help him hang the clouds, order the sea, and establish the boundaries of the earth. Wisdom is what I wish for myself and for you. Readily available in the pages of God's Word. So that is what I have for you as I adjourn a Friday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm always so blessed to have your attention and time. I thank you for it so much. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I will talk to you Monday. We will recap the Bengals, Browns, Buckeyes, and maybe we'll see the Jacksonville Jaguars support their coach and get his first victory. If so, his wife will not be tweeting about it. That I know. Have a good weekend.